put a spell on you. Cause you're mine. Welcome to Hex Rated, where we four witches will take you on a magical journey through foul language and outrageous feminism. Plus, some witch shit. Oh, remember that time that my Oracle deck was like, <laughs> you got the cooties. <laughs> what was the name of that card again? It was, so it was the Mass Stranger, and we were like, uh-oh, Stranger Danger. And then the next one was the Leper. And we we're like, <laughs> oh, cooties, you got the clap. I am, I am turned on now. I'm well, so turned on now. you keep all that because it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know how to. How are we gonna sync that shit up? I don't know. All right, I'll figure we'll, it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we can go from there. Oh, my face is real big. Hmm. Yeah, but my face there. is real in front of my microphone. But yeah, that's yeah. I don't like this. I'm sitting in a normal chair now, as opposed to the squishy ball. So oh, I need to get one of those. My hip's been hurting too. So. I don't. Hey, I don't think it helps, man. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> but it seems more everything. fun. I want to feel like a circus seal when I'm sitting at my computer. That part's fun, but like my hip still fucking hurts. So actually, I've had so many other problems lately that my hip has been oddly quiet. Figure that shit out. Well, great. Other problems meaning I don't know. Can't sleep. Fucking tattooing for six and a half hours what happened yeah well shit girl let's just jump right shit. into that should we you... like let's introduce ourselves should oh yeah that first I don't... oh yeah I well mean, first of all this we... is hex rated we talk about witchcraft and hip we problems <laughs> witchcraft hip issues we have a special guest today yes we do we have my witch hermano brandon is joining us today hi Yay! <laughs> we are so excited to have you, Brandon. I'm excited to be here. He's very fancy. He's an Aquarius. What else of note? A Buddhist. Um, an herbalist. Yes, he, he... Oh, he just got his bachelor's in, what, integrative medicine? Integrative health sciences. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> That's very fancy. Oh, my God. I bet he makes poultices. I oh, make I bet he makes some real fucking delish tea that we're having here. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I have some so, uh, tea from our mutual friend that you went with to New Orleans, and I am drinking it, and it is delicious. Oh, excellent. So anyway, you are calling in from San Diego, but you were not in San Diego up until this morning. Yes, just until this morning, I was in San Francisco for the weekend, being uh, tattooed by one Mary Joy Scott uh, of Tattoo City fame. She is pretty magnificent, and I started my back piece with her to start the new year. And holy shit, uh, I was fine up until about hour 4.5, and then I was like, this is starting to hurt now. <laughs> so I, I feel like I did pretty good, but like those last two hours were pretty... Uh, Pretty stabby. Was that like down? So it's on your back. Was that like down towards your like sacral bone or where was it? Or by the ribs? 
Well, she kind of she kind of moved. She worked in a certain like kind of almost like a circle. So she started uh, at the very beginning on my right shoulder blade and worked down. Uh, She did that whole side and then the center figure. And then on the last two and a half hours, she was mostly on the left side, which is kind of my fucked up side for everything. I think I I blame it on being left handed, but I don't know. But like, honestly, (laughs) kidneys Kidneys were the not good spot. Everything else was manageable, but kidneys felt like somebody was just like, I don't know, pushing into my riblets. I don't know. It was awful, but also not like awful where I'm like jumping up off the table. It was just like, ooh, how much longer for this section? This really hurts. (laughs) So yeah, when I got my ribs redone, it was pretty rough. So wait, tell me, tell everyone because I saw the sketch, but uh, what what is the tattoo? What is it? Okay, so what I did uh, when I went to my uh, doula seminar in August, I met with her and kind of said, "Look, you're an amazing artist. Here are some here are the things that I definitely want in the tattoo. But basically, this is your vision. Your art is awesome. I don't I don't care what you do. I just want it on me. So I basically said, you know, I work with Hecate a lot." Uh, the torches need to be involved. Keys need to be involved. I like these three birds, but I knew she wasn't going to be able to fit in all this, all the stuff I mentioned. And I told her about snakes and uh, she, she pretty much got everything. The only thing I didn't really mention, but I know that is like Hecate's like thing or the dogs, which I'm fine with because I think, you know, they've actually like her dogs have shown themselves to me too, but it wasn't like the dogs weren't like, a necessity for me but I'm glad they're there so yeah so it was basically just like so what so she involved all of those elements and um and then put a lot of like clouds and skulls and lots of fire oh and that was the other thing is I was like she always shows herself to me with like this face that looks like like lava breaking breaking through the earth so she's gonna try to it's not the color's not there yet but she's gonna try to do that in the color study so pretty rad how did you how did she get on your radar and how did you end up booking an appointment with her and like tell some people that aren't familiar with her art like what style it is and whatnot sure so she's a she's give me facts (laughs) well i'm gonna do my best but please look her up because i i don't want to misrepresent her and i don't certainly am not the um expert on mary joy but she was a she was Ed Hardy's last apprentice, and in the tattoo world, I know everybody's like, oh, Ed Hardy, the guy with the shirts. Well, yes, but Ed Hardy was a very prolific traditional tattoo artist uh, in 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 his heyday. Now, I think he's older now, but and I don't know if he's done a lot of different art installations. He's He's pretty prolific in the tattoo community, almost like, well, is tattoo royalty if there were such a thing. So she was his last apprentice. And she's been tattooing for, um, I think I'm going to probably get it wrong, but I know it's like 15 plus years. She's been tattooing for a long time, uh, maybe longer than that even. But um, but she's not like she's she's younger than me. So maybe not. that long. I don't know. She's great. Anyway, uh, her style is kind of I would say like mostly traditional, a little illustrative. But the reason I she even got on my radar was not because of all that. But we were watching this special um, that Vice TV did called Tattoo Age, where they interviewed a bunch of like pretty prominent tattooers. And uh, she was, she had her own segment, like a 30 minute segment. And um, sorry, I got to take a breath. 
I don't know why I'm like, sorry, too much adrenaline. Um, anyway, I was watching the dude, right? Oh, I'll tell you about after in a minute, but like, so we watched this special and this was like, when we kind of first got to San Diego, we were watching this special and they were doing the interview. I was like, oh, she seems really cool because she's super goth and she's super into black metal and like witchcraft and everything. I'm just like, well, she's pretty down. But then on her wall in her in her little booth is a fucking portrait of Susie as <gasps> a like as an Egyptian goddess. And get I was like, out of town. Get the fuck out of here. What the fuck? And Pabby was like, you should have her do your back tattoo. I'm like. Uh, you're damn right I should so so basically so it was on my radar for a while but you know back tattoo is a really big commitment and it's also hella expensive it's just like shit I don't know if I'm ever gonna get this done and if I don't start it I'm probably never gonna do it so when I made the decision to do the doula conference I was like well if I'm gonna do one I'm gonna do the other so let's just like go all in so that's how it happened so when you were doing the doula training, you did you meet with her or were you just like kind yeah. of emailing back and forth? Well, I had emailed her um, when I made the decision to do the doula training. So that was probably like two or three months before the actual training. So, yeah, we set up a consultation while I was at my training. And that's when I told her, you know, all my ideas or all my, you know, elements that I wanted. And she was like, sure, we can start in January. And from August to January seems like a long time until it's like all of a sudden, bam, January. You're like, oh, fuck. And, you know, a lot of shit's happened in the last couple of months where I'm just like, dude, I don't have the energy for back tattooing right now. (laughs) But it doesn't matter. I didn't think I would even get in with her because usually people like that are are pretty hard to book with. Oh, yeah. Like at least a year out. Right. So I was very surprised first. So it, she took a while to get back to me. So I was pretty like almost in the give up stage. But then she emailed me like right before I was going in August and we got together. So, yeah, it all worked out. And um, and she like I had not seen a drawing or anything until I got there on Friday. She was like, if you want to come by the shop and see the drawing. And I was like, I, I loved it. And it's perfect. And I, I did talk to her about I said, you know, Hecate never comes to me smiling because she drew like a little like a knowing smile on her face. I was like, she's I'd never see her smiling. She's like, I don't know. That's just how she showed up. And I was like, you know what? Let's roll with it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a Mona Lisa smile because she's doing it in that style of like kind of like a a gypsy head, you know, like real classic style with that sort of mysterious smirk. So it's not like some kind of like cheesecake pinup girl smile, but. Right. No, it's very like kind of like like that demure, like cloaked smile almost, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty rad. We had a great conversation the whole time and um, we stopped for a break for about 30 minutes. Yeah, just about 30 minutes. That was it. And then so then when we got done, like, I, you know, paid her and we talked about, you know, next time or what was going to happen next time. And um, I was fine. Then I walk out of the shop. I go to get a sandwich. I'm like, I'm going to have like a meatball fucking sandwich and just like take a (laughs) giant nap. Um, But I get to this sandwich place and I I feel kind of like jittery kind of. And then I'm looking at the menu and all the words are just like blurring together and I get real hot. 
I'm like, ooh, am I about to pass the fuck out? So I like hurried up and ordered my sandwich and sat down and it only took him five minutes to to make it and get it to me, which was great. But like I was really nervous between like getting the sandwich and walking back to the hotel. It was like, you know, like a six minute walk. But I was just like, shit, am I going to I don't want to pass out on the street. Like I'd rather pass out where there's people around if I'm going to pass out. But I made it. I made it back to the hotel. I called my husband. I was like, yo, can you please just talk to me to make sure I don't pass out? He was like, yeah, you need to eat something right the fuck now. He's like, quick tip. He's like, take a giant Snickers bar with you next time. And like as you're paying her, fucking eat the Snickers bar. Oh, that's actually a great fucking. Hey, professional tattoo advice from a real life tattooer. Yeah. Mr. Blackbird. If you have any. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be like. It probably doesn't matter how long you're getting tattooed, but basically if you haven't ever sat for, you know, something more than just a little tattoo, take some kind of sugar, probably something like your favorite kind of candy bar or something like that is probably a good idea. And like either have it when you're on a break, definitely have it at the end because your blood sugar drops. So that's yeah. that's what was happening when I could not read the the menu items. I was very sad. I was like, is there a meatball sandwich? Just give it to me. <laughs> Just give me meatballs. Hegarty requires meatballs. Yeah. And she like points at it and she's like, that one? I'm like, uh-huh, whatever. Just give me. <laughs> Put it in my mouth, meatball. please. Anyway, so oh, that was no. my big story. It was a great trip. And also, I think it's very like, there were a lot of weird, like, of course, ooey, spooky things that happened. Because when I went to go see her first on Friday to go see the drawing, I like ran into her in the street because I was on the way to the shop and she was on the way to get a sandwich. Yeah. I was like, I am coming to see you now. She's like, Sean. I'm like, oh, wait, that's my real name. What up? I'm trying to like like, in 2020. (laughs) No, but I'm thinking about, you know what? I'm starting to, we can talk about this too later, but like, I'm trying to, I think I'm going to try to integrate all my personalities this year. Get out the closet, broom closet. Bye. Yeah thinking about it well we'll I see support you anyway and then like some other weird things happened but it was just like you know more signs of this is what you're supposed to be doing in your life right now so well in san francisco i feel like it's a very magical place it's very whimsical and magical and it's definitely like on some kind of ley line of energy for sure and it's i i love it so i can definitely see that being like a great setting of just wandering around the city while you're waiting to to go get tattooed and all of that 100 percent. and my my mom was born there too so there's just like this extra yeah there's like this extra layer of um of history for me anyway that um sorry let me fix that okay yeah there's just this history for me that really like ties everything together like here's the path that you're on and you're 100% supposed to be doing this. So, so yeah, it's very witchy. Like every trip I go there, I just find something new and, and whimsical. And like you said, it's just like the city is full of like these little nooks and crannies that you just don't know about until you go exploring. So, well, yay. That's what I did this weekend. That's a lot. (laughs) Getting a six-hour back about- tattoo is crazy, but also mm-hmm. having to go out of town to do it and come back that same weekend is double crazy. Well, you know, I thought about, like, when she didn't get me back for a long time when I was waiting to 
hear from her if she if she could even get me on the books. Like I was like, man, I really don't want to have to fly out of town for this because I mean, first of all, it's already like hella money, and now you're gonna add a basically a trip onto that, which. I have points, so I fly for free, but I still have to pay for a hotel, you know, gas, eating, or not gas, but like lift trips or whatever. So it's just like, dude, how much is this worth to you? So, but I guess it's like clearly worth it because I'm doing it. So here we go. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. But um, what else happened? That was that was it, and I am tired, but also energized if that's the thing I don't feel as terrible as I felt last night I couldn't get comfortable which you know but like the tattoo doesn't hurt really it's just like it's gonna itch in a couple of days and that's gonna piss me off so you know yeah <laughs> I feel it. it's a lot of skin oh and then oh the worst part not the worst part but the part that I'm trying to like yay get used to is that like my entire back and half of my ass is like in her story, she has 50,000 followers. I'm like, mm, mm, oh, this is where you get real vulnerable. Look at all them fat rolls. But like, whatever. What lies? That's not what people are looking it, at. Well, true. I was going to say, like, what? Who, nobody's looking at that. I look at tattoo pictures all the time of people's backs and I'm not going, oh, my God. So, like, yeah, I, I don't know what I'm thinking. But, you You're know, it's like. You're a canvas. You're a work of art. Yes, I I know that, but it is still hard to shed old old ideas. You know that. Well, you're doing it though. I'm doing it. 2020. 2020. <laughs> Brenda just got a pretty cool uh, spooky ooky witchy tattoo. Do you want to tell us about your frog frog? Yeah, definitely. Get uh, closer. So it's really funny because uh, I actually came up with the idea of getting it whenever we were working with Hecate. So that's a cool Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. When we were doing the, the ritual from the... So Brandon was the person that helped me out with the Hecatean ritual that we did about uh, summoning the Eink's familiar, where I summoned possums, and you had a similar experience with frogs. <laughs> yeah, I summoned um, a bunch of frogs, a bunch of tadpoles. Um, but I chose the, the frog or the toad as uh, my inks. Um, so that was a, a cool thing to have tattooed on me, uh, to have it go from something that's more like ephemeral or, or non-existent to something that's actually like in my skin, which is really neat to have that be a part of me. Um, but I chose to get it in a real traditional Japanese style. He's actually smoking a pipe and drinking some sake, and it's pouring nice. out, and these snakes that are, are going up around it. So it, it's a really neat piece to have. Um but uh, even the same, there was uh, weird coincidences that kept happening whenever I was in the process of getting it. So I was like, okay, this is exactly what I need to be getting. As far as uh, Lisey's Mountain filling up with tadpoles, that was one of them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then whenever um, I got to the tattoo place, he actually had a giant, um, What would, what is the inks again? Like a... It's, oh, it's like a kind of bird. It's yeah, like a, a, a Rhinic bird. Yeah, yeah. He had a giant mm -hmm. bird that was very similar to what an inks would look like uh, that was on his, his wow. tablet. So I was just like, okay, yeah, this is science right here. Well, and he specializes <laughs> in Japanese-style tattoos, right? Yeah, yeah. He mm -hmm. does Japanese-style. So that was really cool to have. And even, like, the whole healing process was just, like, kind of a, an experience in itself. Um, just really feeling it become a part of me and my practice, so... That was neat. <laughs> and I had a similar thing, too, with uh, my thigh being all over his Instagram. <laughs> my thigh was very yeah. swollen, and I had to shave it before, too. So there was this really swollen uh, 
freshly shaven thigh and i was laughing and my friends were kind of poking fun at it they were they were like their followers probably think there's um a hot girl attached to that you know it's funny like but that's like to me like it's a really vulnerable moment where you're thinking, Oh God, these people are seeing a thing that I don't necessarily like, I don't care if people see the tattoo, but like that is my body and it's on display. And it's like, well, yeah, but that's what you're doing. Right. So it's like, you kind of have to just like be vulnerable and I don't know. I feel better about it. It's freeing. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is. I think it's just more, 2020 integration yeah. those those are my buzzwords so far 2020 integration <laughs> that's awesome i don't know i think like i feel like anytime i pick a tattoo that like has meaning because i mean i have a bunch that like aren't super meaningful or anything just stuff i like but anything that i pick that's like kind of maybe a little witchy or whatever. Like there's usually some kind of coincidence that happens that make me realize like, oh yeah, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So I feel you feel you on that. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say before we move on, I think it's really fascinating that um, you didn't see your sketch until the day before you were going to get it, which like to me is like nerve wracking, but would actually probably be a really good experience for me. Cause that's kind of what happened when we got our, sat yance in bangkok is we didn't know what the design was going to be you're just putting it in the artist's hands and you've explained to them that it's going to have a spiritual meaning for you and they're come they're approaching it with that in mind and uh you just kind of have to it's especially hard for me as like an art student and like because I want to draw everything myself and most of my tattoos are things I designed. So to just have it one be a surprise, like is just kind of nerve wracking in general. It's going to be on there for like forever, but also letting go of the design process was really hard for me. So, um, but I think that's awesome because like you obviously picked someone who you knew like as a person, like, and as an artist was going to be on your wavelength beforehand. So I think uh, I think you chose who to put your trust in very well because the sketch I saw looks great. I haven't seen a picture of your back yet. Well, and I was going to say, if I had advice to give anybody looking for a tattoo, whether it be a, something meaningful to you or not, or just something you want, like it really is important to look at people's look at people's tattoos. Look at not people. Well, I mean, sure, people that you know, but also like. Instagram feeds of tattooers that you think you might like just look at people's work because not not all tattooers can do all things so it's important to really think about the style that you want and pick the person based on the majority of the of the tattoos you see them doing um so yeah like and she just had a rad vibe I mean once I saw the Susie thing I was like oh I'm kind of done like I, I don't really need to keep looking I mean yes I could find somebody that you know, would suffice, but they're not going to be like the, how, how much more on the nose could you get? Right. Like <laughs> it's crazy. So, and you know, as soon as I like walked into her little, like they have the, um, it's like a, you know, like a regular shop, but that they've got walls up. So they each have their own little partitioned area. And she's got like the Susie eyes, like right above her door. I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. So, 
yeah, just really like look at look at artists' styles because that's real important to just not walk into any shop off the street and be like, yo, I would like this real illustrative thing. And everybody in the shop like does not that. So yeah, <laughs> good advice. But oh, hey, didn't you throw some kind of fancy party? Oh, I did. I had a New Year's Eve party that I threw. It was 20s themed because it is 2020. And um, I know, I but you, a, you went you went old school, right? Like, yeah, 20s flapper 20s theme. theme. So I dressed in this really elaborate flapper dress. Um, and I made this big paper moon for everybody to pose with. And I made it like seriously 30 minutes before everyone got there. And I was debating all day. Oh, my like, God. Cause because I had to gesso it first. And so I had th- these like yeah. two huge pieces of foam core. Um, and I was like, do I have time for this or not? And I was like, fuck it. And so I just like freehanded it real fucking fast. And it ended up looking really good. So I might have to yeah. find like, a permanent home for it somewhere downstairs. But it's like, the pictures it's, like were rad. seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah, I think it would I, like I think you could find a place for that. Yeah. Well, it so. looked really cool. All the pictures of like all your fancy drinks looked very cool. I liked it. I loved the oh, aesthetic. Yeah, we, it was it was hundred percent you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a, a champagne cocktail bar, so I made like little individual like basically shots of mixers um, of classic cocktails, so you could pour that into your glass and then top it with champagne and have a cocktail. So we had like classic ones like champagne cocktail and uh, French 75. Um, I did a spin on death in the afternoon, which was death in the evening with absinthe, uh, lavender syrup and uh, violet liqueur. Hence the evening because it's purple. <laughs> so, yeah, so it, it looked fun. fancy. It was pretty fancy. You know how I am. Pretty great. I'm pretty. Fancy. I do. I know how you roll. You fucking know how to put on a party. Thank you. So we were going to talk about uh, we've had some requests on the social medias to talk about channeling. And I know we've kind of mentioned it obliquely before, but that's why we wanted to have our special guest, Brandon, because we tend to play around with channeling um, together. So we were going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Do you have any questions you want to start with at the top? Yes, I do. First of all, like, how did you guys, how did you guys, like, figure out that you were both into this or, like, could do this or, like, or was it just, like, happenstance? I think we just, because we sort of just do it like how we do Uncoven, where, well, step one, go out and eat some delicious food. Yeah, the that, most important part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That tends to be a big, big part of our, our dealings. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then, like... We'll just hang out in the in the parlor and be like, hey, look at this new deck I got or I brought this giant ass crystal or like, <laughs> here's a here's a pile of herbs. Let's do something with it. So um, but you, I guess, brought it up. Do you want to talk a little bit about you started taking that class? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I actually took a couple of classes um, where I learned the basics, like the little step by step um, how to do it. And that's where I kind of I learned the framework for it. And then me and Scarlett uh, took it from there and just ran with it. Um, lots of practice, just sitting down and saying, hey, who wants to come through and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, because you were saying that you're doing an exercise like with a partner where it was basically like part of part of the class was you sit down with somebody and you kind of coach them through it. So you know, they, they do their own meditation to kind of get 
in that frame of mind, but that they have a partner that's sort of cueing them mm-hmm. and saying like, you know, um, like I forget exactly what it was because yeah, <laughs> we kind of just freestyle it. Just now, a but. couple of vocal uh, cues, like oh, um, asking the spirit to step forward and making sure that the partner um, is aware of the spirit, is that they're in the right mindset, and then asking the spirit to step through and step out and step through again, and just getting the partner used to um, being accustomed to that energy. Yeah, I think that having the cue of having someone actually ask you, like. Because what we did is basically like I have my trance induction that I do and you can talk about whatever you do in a second. <laughs> Sorry, I said that like real shit. I was like, you can talk about whatever you do, but let me talk first. Well, no, my I didn't mean it. better. <laughs> <laughs> but basically I just it's the same one I use for like journeys and trances where I um I count backwards from twelve, imagining all the numbers starting with indigo down to red and then back to black. Um, in like rainbow order and then I count backwards from 13 um, imagining going down my well and before I get started I try to even my breath doing um, breathe in for two hold for two exhale for two and uh, hold for two again and so then we're sitting there and I kind of just would say like like nod or gesture when I felt like I was ready and so that was a cue for Brandon to be like uh is there a spirit there? Like, can you step through or would you like to speak or, or that cue to like kind of open it up instead of me just like opening my big mouth and like speaking <laughs> in tongues or whatever. Cause, cause even if you are experienced with being in trance or feel comfortable with the idea of it, there is that kind of something in the back of your mind that like stops you from it's, I mean, it's, I imagine it's the same force that stops you from speaking in any situation of that sort of stage fright or I don't know what to say or or is this going to be weird or no one asked me a question why am I talking you know like so I think that that working with a partner definitely I'm not sure it would even work without an audience besides the fact that it would probably be a bad idea because if something goes awry like there's no one there but um yeah I think I think having an audience definitely is part of it yeah, definitely. Even if you you call the spirit forth on your by yourself and it comes through and there's nobody to talk to, why why yeah, did the spirit like... come in the first place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the way that I get into trance, um, I've got really high anxiety, so I don't breathe as much as I should. <laughs> so a big part of it is just focusing on my breath and making sure that I'm actually breathing all the way through instead of taking small breaths or not breathing at all. Um, and then how I like to do it is I like to feel, um, like my physical edges and then also like my energetic boundaries as well. And just noticing the differences that way, whenever I do get ready to channel, like I know where I'm stepping out of and where to step back in. Oh my God. Stop there. Okay. I have questions because that's (laughs) amazing. I never thought about like, well, I mean, just the, the whole concept first of, of, what you said in your class how people were like okay have have them step step in step out step in so people get used to the energy first of all that's genius second like when you just said i want to feel my spiritual or like spiritual edges like my my um metaphysical boundaries basically like do they ever feel like real far do you does that make sense like do they ever reach like out of the room and shit like am i talking crazy go uh no i don't think you're talking crazy at all and i think that depends on the person and how much energy that they're putting out 
Um, I tend to try and not be seen. So I feel like mine is always pretty small. Um, But if you like to project your energy or if you just have like a naturally large like aura, I don't see why not. Well, I feel like though with you because you're so Aquarius and you're so connected to that sort of celestial like kind of energy that you like you you feel very open in an upwards direction Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. i like that okay that's fascinating i love it i'm (laughs) going to try this i mean i feel like for me on the other hand i feel very like grounded in my body i mean like i'm a dancer and like i feel like i'm i'm very i have that kinesthetic sense of where all my body parts are in space so like that and like feeling the weight of my body or feeling the temperature or like isolating each of my senses is pretty natural for me. So um, actually letting go of that step to like let something through is the harder part. Um, And I think that being in the trance and having somebody sort of give you these cues of like sort of one, like waiting for me to signal that I feel like I'm in a trance, but also waiting. I mean, you know, you have to kind of as the, the helper sort of judge where that person's at you're not just gonna start being like okay odin 20 questions let's go (laughs) (laughs) although he's down usually (laughs) just make sure there's beer or some kind of offering (laughs) (laughs) so i will say another yes give us questions no no No, you shut up you talk (laughs) you shut up okay uh, I was going to say, um, oh, great. Okay. Hang on. Let me remember what I was going to say. Oh, for like, because sometimes I feel like it's harder to get into that state than other times. And I'm sure it has to do with whatever's going on in my, you know, mundane life or whatever. But like, are, do you have any, like, either one of you take whoever, I would like to hear from both of you. Do you have tips for people? that are, are trying to develop this skill on their own and, and get into trance, like, do you have some tips for them of how to, like, when they're having a tough time, how to, like, get over that hump and, and try to get deeper? I think that with us, like, because I had never really tried it. I'd seen people channel. I'd read a lot of books about it. Um, I've been in rituals where people were doing it, and I do a lot of journey work where instead of, something speaking through me it's more like I'm taking dictation you know like I hear them talking that experience uh I I felt like I had that but I think what because we kind of just jumped in the deep end with it and I think what where I was like oh shit I can do this and it's really fun and I'm pretty good at it (laughs) is that we were just like Brandon's like we tried this thing let's do it and so we just kind of went back and forth and we're like oh let's think of gods to call (laughs) And it was, I mean, I don't, I don't want to recommend that people be real fucking irreverent or anything, but, but on the flip side, like if you just do it as a, like, let's try something out and we'll just take turns and it's not like, oh, you're being put on the spot in front of a huge audience or here's this big, huge ritual and there's this lead up and now like, are we going to have dead air or are you going to, you know, like, like where it's just sort of like, I don't know, like, let's just try it out. And also, like, kind of doing chat roulette with different uh, entities. Because, I mean, you can do deities or spirits or um, people or, you know, uh, the different things. So we were doing mostly deities and some kinds of, like, sort of elementals or spirits. 
but trying different ones out like because at first we were just sort of like let's let whatever wants to come through come through which is not a great idea <laughs> um not in a bad way but in sort of a ouija board way where like you get things that like don't speak english or like can't figure out how to like make a tongue and mouth and voice box work because they're not human enough like you know or so that they just right. like can't talk and uh or they just want to like or they're so fascinated with being in a body that they just want to kind of want to like look around and smell things <laughs> so yeah. um uh there's definitely deities that are and also um we've so far we've found that like certain deities or, or spirits that are more present in modern imagination or folklore tend to be much chattier than ones that are not so. ah okay that makes sense but yeah short answer what would help is just to try to have fun with it and maybe be a little silly and like have it be okay where if you try to get in trance and it doesn't work because sometimes you'll kind of feel something around the edges or they'll start to talk and then they'll just hang up you know mm. you're like nope yeah. okay they're gone that's it <laughs> and just almost kind of, like we almost like a ouija board okay right so so you just kind of like I think like spending like an hour or two doing it because um, it can be very exhausting. So I wouldn't ex yeah. say do it a ton, but like to just kind of rapid fire, just like try to try to riff and see and just take turns. Um, that sort of takes the pressure off um, of trying to feel like you're being put on the spot to perform, so to speak. Brand Brandon, tips for tr like just getting into and, and staying in trance. Yeah, I think you really just have to have fun with it. Um, that's a big part of it. And then as well, just uh, making sure that your environment's comfortable. Um, yeah. Like, if you're uncomfortable and it's going to be more difficult for you to get out of your body just because, like, your body's going to be sending signals and it's going to keep reminding you, hey, like, I'm here, take care of me, quit trying to right. <laughs> step outside of yourself. Like, um, so I think just making sure that you have a comfortable environment and also just, again, having fun and not taking it so serious. And everybody kind of experiences it their own way, too. So that's another thing. If it doesn't work for you a certain way, try it something else or you'll, you'll figure it out as you go. That makes sense. Do you guys have any like um, artifacts or things that you, you like need to have in the room to like help you or nah? I, feel I mean, like you guys are pros. But Well, I feel like the more we do it, the less I need all that stuff like. Yeah, because right. if I can just sit in quietly for a few minutes and get into a trance and have somebody I trust, like, be there to, to kind of coach me and then ask questions and stuff, then mm. I don't need, like, a special robe or to do, like, a really elaborate invocation or, like, set out this very particular altar or, like, you know, bathe and fast for three days, you know, like, all this stuff that, like... <laughs> You know, that yeah. all the pomp and circumstance of, of can, other types of systems that do summonings or invocations or evocations where it's like very, very elaborate and you have to have certain incenses and you have to say certain chants and and it has to be on a certain day. Like, I, I don't I find that the more I do it, the less I need all of that stuff. Um, the because we did uh, one we did one ritual with you where we kind of did Hecate and it was really, really elaborate where we like physically dressed you in all these veils and things like that and um yeah. and then we did one with uh lily where she did uh freya and it was the same yeah. thing where we like you know had um 
like a sort of a high seat and she had her staff and we had like incense and everything. I feel like that um, if it's part of your practice to be devotional to those deities, I feel like a lot of that is more for the participants. If you're doing it with a group to get the other people in a state of mind to be ready to be in the presence of that deity. Mm. Um, But I think for us in such a small group where we were just sort of experimenting, I felt like it, it almost put a lot of pressure on and it was kind of, I don't want to say awkward, but like it added a lot of like ritual, like rigidity, like formal. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really um, like a, like a, like a real formal deal. And yeah, it, I feel like, I feel like I think there was pressure for me and I don't, I can't speak to uh, Lily, but I know that like, I think it's still like, it still worked clearly or it still like happened. But I think there was like no sense of, Hey, we're just fucking trying this out. It was like, Hey, we're doing this fucking thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that the formality of it was kind of awkward because we don't act like that with each other. So right, it was right. kind of hard to address one another as if you're speaking like super formally to a deity, um, you know, and, and I think it would depend partly on who you're calling, because obviously certain deities want to be interact and be addressed in a certain way. Um, right. But I mean, you still have to deal with the person that's being the channeler. And if they feel like they're being put on the spot or that it's awkward or that people are treating them weird or acting weird um, or like just putting like a bajiggity vibe on them, it's going to kind of interfere with the process. Do so here's a question. If you're like asking somebody to come through and you're like, is there somebody there? Somebody shows up. Does anybody else ever like break through? Like, you know, like (laughs) Odin's there and maybe... (laughs) You know, like Dionysus comes on the scene. He's like, wait, motherfucker, I got a sword of two. Yeah, we had that happen with Thor. (laughs) (laughs) Who were you? Today, hotel. Channeling or something. And and you were like, oh, shit, Thor wants to come through. And I was like, tell him no, 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 no. And he was like, no, he wants to show up. And I was like, tell him him he has to promise not to break anything. (laughs) Yeah, everybody just kept coming through as they wanted. We didn't set any clear boundaries or anything. So it was just like every like couple of seconds, somebody else would come in. And it was like they were arguing with each other at some points. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening right now, but I'm going to go with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but so like was that early on in your in your experimentation? And now have you developed some sense of like um, like a way that you do it so that doesn't happen? Or is that nope. like a fun <laughs> Fun good I mean, times. I thought it was, it was so hilarious that we were like, let's do this all the time. Yeah, but right? also like um that's why it's good to have the second person there as well, because you're kind of like facilitating who's coming through and who's not. So if it's something that you are uncomfortable with or something that does try and break through that you don't want to be there, you can push it out for it. Yeah. Yeah. Or you right. can be like, No, 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 I still wanna talk to, you know, Frigga or whoever. Um, I think it also depends on the pantheon. Like I said, um, ones that are like really present in the popular imagination are like the Norse gods are super chatty because one, there's oh, a yeah. huge resurgence in heathenry, but also like everybody's seeing them and saying their names and like has posters and figurines of them because of like the Marvel movies and 
Um, so everybody knows them, and um, they're so know, happy. Yeah, there's multiple TV shows that have them as characters and stuff like that. So, right. and plus, they're they're very anthropomorphic deities. Like they act, they're imagined to act like and look like people. So they mm-hmm. tend to have very human personalities, and um, so so being in a human body is not weird for them. It's very they like it and they enjoy it and they want to party. Um, and they also are very <laughs> like kind of like clannish, like they hang out with each other. So the idea that like if you're talking to one and another overhears you guys and wants to barge in, that's sort <laughs> that's pretty consistent with like what their personalities are supposed to be like. Um, I also find that the Egyptian gods, for the same reasons, are pretty chatty because they too are, most people know their myths. There's lots of movies and TV shows and comics that have them. You know, there's people that have whole boards of, uh, you know, Pinterest or deviant art of like fan art of them. So um, that makes them very present and easy to talk to. Um and they also tend to hang out with one another. So if you're if you're like they don't tend to butt in, but if you're like, hey, could you go get so and so for me? It's it's pretty easy. Oh yeah, so they they're the not way. like the Norse gods. They like kind of hang back, but like they're a little more Norse reserved. Gods are just like, yeah. Although that, I that, had the brilliant idea. I was like, hey, Brandon, why don't you channel someone and I'll channel someone, and then we'll have them talk to each other, and it'll be hilarious. Oh, God. Now, it didn't work because when one of us was channeling, the other one, like, whoever was kind of on the line immediately, like, got bumped out. Like, we, we're not, mm. we don't have conference call technology. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> so we probably uh, need, like, a third or fourth person to kind of, like, manage the energy and, like, manage yeah. the channelers um, because... You were Thor, and I was like, yeah, let's call Sekhmet. And he started talking shit, and then Sekhmet rolled up and was like, oh, are you scared of cats? I'm going to tell Freya. (laughs) But Thor was already gone, so it was pretty fucking hilarious. And sorry if this is very irreverent to people that are hard polytheists and, like, very, very reverent Mm -hmm. with these I mean, hey, they they have the option of of hit and stop on their device, so it's cool. Hey, but, so, but okay. in our experience, those those particular like Norse and and and, uh, and Greek deities too are pretty pretty easy to talk to, although they tend to be like very they can be very formal. But um, yeah, Egyptian deities that. they they tend to enjoy it and have fun and like tend to be tickled that you want to talk to them. Um, Frigga, for example, <laughs> was like, "Where are flowers?" Like she was a little myth that we didn't have like a an assortment of aesthetically pleasing things <laughs> for her to feast her eyes wow. on so that that's definitely a consideration um having having a, a beverages because a lot of them like so one of the things that i noticed is like when we've done it like your body language changes and some some of them like really want to savor like being in a body and like want to eat things or drink things or like move around um so having things for them to interact with or things that you don't want them to interact with to not be present would maybe be a consideration before you get started. Like a knife or a sword or something. Or, <laughs> I was thinking you know. more like unlimited quantities of alcohol for Norse gods because they will try to yeah. chug a lug. But a knife too. Don't. <laughs> yeah, probably knives are bad. Right. We'll add that to the list. <laughs> oh, well, well that's time. a good question. So like I don't drink 
And I don't feel like it would be okay for my like body to drink alcohol if it, you know, just because I am not like, just because it's a deity, like inhabiting me for a moment, like, would you just have like something water, like refreshing something, you know, just in case they were thirsty? Yeah. I mean, you can lay ground rules. Like, I mean, they can always choose to leave. But that, that is true. a concern. I know that, that I've, I've people I've, that I've either spoken to or, or read um, their writings about it. Like, that is an issue of, uh, you know, I, they they tend to report that if they drink a lot, that some people say that it, it goes away when they, they stop channeling, that some other mm. deity takes it with them. And other people are like, huh. no, that's bad because then, like, I I only have a human's capacity for drinking, and like, right, uh, right. Uh, Odin's is quite quite above that. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, I would say the degree to with what you're comfortable with, and as we said before, I feel like the ritual nature of it is really more for the participants to get in the right mood right. and frame of mind unless for unless like you as a channeler are using those things as a trigger i don't really think they're necessary um right and also just because something asks for something <laughs> through you does not mean that you have to give it to them even if they are right and they can leave right they can leave if they're and not obviously they've spent that. a considerable time uh consuming those things symbolically so they can continue to do so the egyptian gods on the other hand are pretty good about that because so much of egyptian religion and symbolism is very symbolic so like you know in tombs um you would have like miniature like pottery symbols of the things that you would want to carry in the afterlife and so they're very on board with the idea of, of having something be representational or symbolic and be like, oh, this little this little figurine of like a beer jug is meant to to symbolize having unlimited drink in the afterlife. So I get it. I don't need the literal thing. Um, so right. they're pretty chill about that. Brandon, what was your like most memorable or well, it could be most memorable favorite or most memorable unfavorite uh, channeling experience. Uh, so I would say that my favorite experiences are whenever non-human things come through because it's so cool oh. to see the other person's body language just like go from being like, okay, that's the person who I know to like, why does this person not move like a human? Like, why oh, are they yeah. moving like an animal or why does it look like they're trying to figure out how to use their body again? Like, because yeah. it's just the strangest thing. And that's like, a, uh, to me, that's a validation that like something is happening. Like, it's not just like disassociation. <laughs> or whatever. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Scarlett? Mm, trying to think. Um, yeah, I think uh, being the channeler and channeling something that either doesn't get channeled very often or isn't very human is interesting because you get the firsthand experience of trying to shoehorn your intent or information through this human device so so mm. feeling that firsthand of what that's like is like really awesome and trippy and uh i'm trying to think of like a good example like i i wasn't channeling but you were doing sholot who's like this uh um, Az Aztec or Mayan Aztec. Aztec. Uh, God, and he's very similar to Anubis. He's a black dog that um, guides souls to the the afterlife, but uh, mm -hmm. people don't talk to him very often. 
So he was kind of like one real confused <laughs> and uh, was very, very dog like. So um, and didn't understand some of our questions, you know, like we, we so <laughs> I being a super smart alecky person decided to be fun to start asking deities what their favorite song is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I think asking them their opinion on modern things is like one hilarious and two like actually interesting and like contributes to the lore and deities like the Norse and Egyptian gods who are very present in the modern world have strong opinions about those things and they're pretty well educated on them. And the reason why it even came up is because one time, uh, I wasn't channeling Anubis, but I was speaking to him, and he was listening to Soul Kitchen by The Doors. And I was like, oh, you listen yeah. to The Doors? And he was like, yeah, I'm like the opener of ways. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, I'm I'm the god of embalming. I'm like in my soul kitchen cooking up these mummies. Like, duh. And so it was just really hilarious. So, but we asked Sholo what kind of music he likes, and he was really confused, and he was like, Howling, like howling <laughs> at the moon. He like because he was he was very much like in a feral kind of dog aspect because he doesn't have like a strong base of worship and people don't know his myths and no one's talking to him anymore. So right, that was kind of weird. And then one time I channeled uh, Vance, who is a um, sort of psychopomp in Etruscan mythology, and she was very interesting mm. because she was very articulate and very present even though her worship is not super prevalent or strong because i think that her worship piggybacked so seamlessly onto roman and greek deities that mm. she's often paired with who are vigorously worshipped up to today so she was kind of interesting because she and also she's a, she's a psychopomp so her her domain is those liminal spaces so her ability right. to exist with one foot in one world and one foot in the other is like her nature. So her needing a consistent uh, dialogue of worship isn't really is uh, necessary. So she, but um, that was kind of interesting. So obscure gods are kind of interesting because sometimes they are really surprised that you're talking to them. I was going to say, so do they announce who they are or do they like let you figure it out? Or how is that? Do you, how does it usually work? We usually ask to talk to someone specific because we feel ah, that if okay. you don't, it tends to be kind of like a Ouija board. Where, right, 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 right. And I think that even if it's a deity you don't know super well, because we've channeled deities that like I channeled um, Inari Kami who I knew mm -hmm. a little bit about, but I've never been in, I've never been to Japan. I've never been in any, any, any of her temples. And like, I work with Fox spirits, but not Inari specifically. And when I channeled mm -hmm. her, like I, we both knew like Brandon and I like right away that it was her because mm -hmm. you've been to the big Inari temple. And you were like, this is totally like how it was when I like, yeah, it was so strange. And I was even smelling like rice wine um, whenever that was happening. So that was a cool experience wow. for sure. But I think um, a good like practice would be to make sure you know who the spirit is before you let it come through. <laughs> so whenever yeah. you ask it to present itself in front of you to make sure that, one, you're comfortable with the energy, even if it's not familiar to you. Yeah. And that you know that makes who, sense. who it is that you're talking to. Because I've never felt like this was an issue. Um, but I'm sure for people that are very open, it could be. 
that you ask for one personality and someone shows up impersonating them, um, mm. which, I mean, I think ultimately is harmless as long as you can get them to leave um, and you don't, and you take everything they say with a grain of salt. I mean, I would take anything anybody says, deity or person or celebrity or anything, anything anybody says with a grain of salt, so... I was going to say, has that happened to either one of you ever, like, impersonation? No. Although with the Ouija boards, for sure. Yeah, for sure. No, um, no, but just because, again, like, before you, you let it come in or before the person asks, like, you, I would always make sure just beforehand that, hey, this is something that I'm comfortable with. Healthy boundaries right. are good for channeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and life. So, and Yeah. Life. <laughs> 2020 that's healthy true. boundary the 2020 <laughs> integration but not too much i mean i think part of it is also that we're like the space that we work in my parlor is like pretty well protected and has like a good vibe yeah and um you know i have my own um spirit guides and stuff that are around me so we don't really spend a whole lot of time belaboring like setting ground rules or like setting up wards or anything because they're kind of always in place exist but i would say that if you aren't if you don't feel comfortable that you have the ability to make anything that you don't want to be there go away or to just keep those things away in the first place that to definitely work on that practice first i think it would be better to wait until you feel like you are in a space that is consistently warded and safe and impermeable um before trying channeling as opposed to trying to channel and also just trying to tack on these other sort of fail safes at the same time because then you're trying to focus on two different sort of technologies um whereas for us we we feel pretty confident that nothing's coming in that we didn't ask for and that if we call on somebody either they're going to answer or that we're no one's going to come through so i like I mean, that I, so bound yeah. boundaries safe space don't have unlimited alcohol available <laughs> right no knives these are <laughs> no knives no knives these are all good good uh bullet points for channeling i like it i mean i guess the other question is why would you do this yeah um, that's one, a, i think that's a really fun. good question yeah but, um I, I mean, we, the times that we've done it, we've picked deities that either one, we already had a relationship with and just hadn't interacted with them in that way where, you know, like mm-hmm. with Anubis or some of the Egyptian gods, like I feel like I can talk to them whenever I want and that they're present, but the experience of having them talk through me is very different. And so I felt, I felt like as an experience for me, particularly as a benevolent narcissist, um, have, having that sort of ego destruction of of letting go is is very healthy for me. It's it's a process yeah. that is is good for me. Um, so that would be one reason. The other reason is um, you can ask them things about lore that maybe are, is unanswered or that you don't have enough information about. So um, getting to talk to Vanth who's a deity that I find very interesting. I'm very interested in, in Etruscan culture and mythology in general, but we don't have a lot of information because the Etruscan language has not been deciphered. So being able to to get a feel for her personality or to ask, like, well, what kind of offerings do you like? 
um, things like that. Um, you know, it's going to be unverified personal gnosis. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Um, right. Uh, but, but if it's a deity that you feel serious about and want to connect with and it all seems to check out, I mean, then, then that's, that's information that you can use in your practice. Um, and if, and if you end up coming across some like historical documents or mythology or something that contradicts it, then you can kind of reevaluate or, or choose to, to go with your gut on it. But um, that's another practical, useful use for this practice, I would say. Yeah. Brandon, do you have anything to add to that? Like um, reasons like you find it um, appealing or helpful in your practice? Yeah. Um, so one of the ways that I like to, that would be like a, a practical use of channeling would be um, within uh, my my practice as far as Buddhism, one of the things that we do is that we, we visualize the deity and then um, we see the deity entering us and it kind of helps us integrate with um, the Buddha that we're working with. Um, so just having that energy like come into you and just to sit with it and not even mm -hmm. for like research purposes or to ask questions or anything like that, but just to sit with it and feel that vibration is, is a way that I use channeling for sure. Awesome. <laughs> well, I think this has been super informative for people. I'm sure there's more questions. I mean, we could probably ask a million more questions, but I think this is a good like intro uh, or first, first, uh, I don't know if we've done one already on channeling, but if we have, it was not as detailed. So I'm really glad that we, we did this. Yeah, and if people have follow-up questions, like hit us up on, uh, what is it, hexrated podcast at Gmail. That's correct. Or you can always DM us on the uh, Instagram page, which is hexrated witches, right? I think so. Uh, um, do we even know? Or <laughs> or the Uncoven page. The Millions of ways. Been, there's so many ways to, to ask us questions. So many ways. And to give us your thoughts of how silly we are. And and we will address them at a later date. And we will try to get some awesome. pretty, pretty pictures um, up on the upcoming newsletter of some of these tattoos we talked about. So you can see. Oh, yeah. Good call. Yeah. You too can see my ass like the rest of the world. Yes. Yeah. My sexy butt will be all ready to show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna say, are you healed up now? You're healed up now, right? Because yeah, been a it's been a few weeks, so it's it's good. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah, I'm not showing my crusty back to anybody just yet, so <laughs> we'll wait on that. Well, I'll let you get to it. Go slather some vitamin E or whatever. I gotta go, gotta go slather my back. <laughs> Sexy. Mr. Blackbird in uh, there. Yeah, well, he's he's at work, so I'll be like touching all the parts of my back that I can by myself, which <laughs> <laughs> Or I'll just wait. I could just wait. That's probably what I'm going to do is just wait. Uh, well, should we do our sign off? Yeah. 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 Okay. Do it. One, two, three. Hocus, Hocus pocus, pocus, bitches. bitches! Yay! Yay! That was awesome!